You're listening to the Sexual Wellness Sessions with Kate Moyle. The theme of today's episode of the Sexual Wellness Sessions is about learning how to boost your confidence and to fall in love with yourself. We're really excited to dive straight in and to share it with you with the support from our friends at Lilo, who've prepared a very special surprise for all you listeners. Tune in and use the code KATELILO at lilo.to forward slash Kate Moyle, pick a luxurious sexy toy and get a gift with every purchase. Today we are going to be talking about a topic which I think comes into the therapy room with almost every single person that sits in the client chair. And although it might not be the objective or obvious reason that people come to psychosexual therapy, it is definitely a really strong theme. And I think that it's impacted by so many different aspects of the media, advertising, our lives, social media, how we talk about both male and female bodies, how we feel about ourselves. And no surprises, the topic is body confidence. And my guest for today is Lauren Black, who is a body confidence and fashion influencer. She is also founder of the amazing new brand Love Glow Heal. And I discovered Lauren on the BBC documentary The Instagram Effect. And she's been really open about the fact that she has been in anorexia recovery since June 2020 and has documented the whole thing online. And I am so, so thrilled that Lauren is sharing her experience here because as we're going to hear, she has been through so many different stages with how she feels about her body and how it's influenced sex and relationships. So Lauren, thank you honestly so much. I'm really, really excited to have this conversation today. Thanks for having me. You have talked about body confidence, but also your body a lot publicly. Yeah. And I guess that must be in itself such a interesting relationship to have with your body so not just having it on your own and with yourself but sharing it yeah with hundreds of thousands of people I mean in itself that's kind of interesting to me I've actually never really thought about it like that before you know but yeah you're, you're actually right um it's been it's been a, a journey and I feel like I feel really lucky to have had my platform to have been able to share my whole experience with my recovery and and kind of getting to where I'm where I'm at now with myself with everybody because I found that there are a lot of women who have either been through the same thing or are going through the same thing so it's kind of nice to be able to have a space where I can talk so openly and and people can talk so openly with me as well Mm. did you feel like you had many of those people that you could see and hear that you could relate to or not really having the conversations in a public way um, yeah, I mean, there's people that I, f- I follow on Instagram who have been through eating disorder recovery and um, I kind of used them as like um, inspiration to like uplift me when I was, especially in the early days of my recovery. But I feel like I, I've really shared every step. I feel like people have been on the growth with me because they were there at the beginning when I was kind of going into eating fear foods that I, that I hadn't eaten for 10 years so it was it was really um, interesting to like hear other people's stories of them going through the same thing at the same time or have 
have been going through that before. As we all know, there's so much that happens and so many people have these experiences, but so many people feel alone in it. And we have this huge gap between how many people are going through these kind of things and the narrative or the conversation around it. And there's this mm. huge, this huge gap which creates so many problems. Yeah, I think I definitely did feel quite lonely on on my journey. Um, but I guess that's why I shared so much because I was also looking for support from my own platform that I'd built. So it was really nice to have been able to get that from, from my followers. Mm. And when we talk about body confidence, obviously you've been through, as you said, a journey or a roller coaster, <laughs> Up and down. <laughs> yeah, of different stages and feeling different ways and experiencing different things and yeah. how it's been really cyclical for you. But a huge part of it has been really like context dependent. But how do you even describe what this idea of body confidence is I guess that's a really good way for us to kick it off and then we can take it from there I guess body confidence is being happy slash accepting who you are and, and, and what you look like and kind of learning to deal with the pressures that we feel on social media from comparison and and everything so I guess it's it's about accepting your body rather than you know being like I love my body every single day because I, I feel like for, for it's not possible <laughs> mm. to have a good day every single day you know it's not possible to have a good day every single day in the rest of our lives <laughs> let alone like that yeah yeah exactly so it's it's definitely about accepting where you are and kind of accepting that you are supposed you are where you are and you're supposed to be where you are does that make sense like mm. that's kind of how I really dealt with weight gain it was kind of like, that was the whole point of my recovery was to gain weight. So I just had to keep going and keep reminding myself that I'm I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be right now and this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's a good thing. Mm. And I imagine some days that's a lot harder to accept than others, right? Sure. And I think it's interesting, you just said there that it's about acceptance. And I think one of the things that we assume a lot of the time about body confidence is that it's always about how someone looks, but I think that it's about how someone feels. It's definitely about how you feel. So you can have people who, inverted commas, look ideal or look, I suppose, like the representations that we are told of what the perfect body might be like, but they might be still people that struggle with body confidence or don't feel good about themselves. Yeah, for sure. I feel like when I was like deep in my eating disorder, I was like a size four and I was miserable. Mm. And that's kind of what everybody thinks is like the perfect like body you know but I mean it's annoying because I just I don't like the word perfect anyway because it's just there's you can never be perfect do you know what I mean <laughs> so it, yeah it's just not it's not possible so it's like when I was that size I was absolutely miserable and now I'm bigger I'm so much happier and I'm so much healthier. So, yeah, it's about nourishing your body and, you know, working on the way that you talk to yourself. Mm -hmm. And that idea about the right body or the perfect body, do you think that we get a lot of those messages invisibly? Because I think that it's not just fashion magazines and it's not just advertising, but they are kind of drip fed and a lot of them very silently or unspokenly into 
our messages and into our judgments and narratives in society and we kind of internalize them without really realizing or are constantly comparing ourselves against people but now obviously we've got social media which mm. is like throwing a, a bomb into the water and threw the whole thing up because basically one of the biggest side effects of social media is comparison culture you know what, what are we doing if we're not comparing in some way because we also see that social media is in hundreds of ways designed to be aspirational yeah do you think that so much of it is kind of not obvious and then we have all these ideas about bodies and we don't really know where they came from yeah for sure I feel like it's it's like generational you know it's like my parents and and their parents and probably their parents it's it's I feel like it's been around like forever so it's just something that we just grow up with Mm. um and it's like it and it can be the way you talk about food and it can be like the slightest comment that then might make you think oh well I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have that it is comments that are like oh I'm gonna be good today Mm. I mean like food shouldn't be labeled good or bad food is just food and like there are more foods that are (laughs) what do I need to say nutritionally valuable good better yeah (laughs) but like it doesn't mean that chocolate is bad but also there's so much in there isn't there you know I'm not a nutritionist but if I mean everything in moderation is how I like to try and live my life but there's also an element of sometimes eating chocolate can make you feel better you know psychologically it offers you a form of comfort or a but for many people what they're eating might induce real feelings of shame and we then are feeding that into a negative relationship with our bodies Something I'm really interested in is this idea of body neutrality. And it's something I've heard about like a bit recently or quite a lot recently, actually. And I think it really overlaps with what you were saying earlier about how you define body confidence. There's that level of acceptance and that being such a big part of it. And I think this idea of like taking a neutral perspective to your body and not really thinking about it instead of, as you said, the pressure to love your body every day, because then the minute that you don't have a great day you feel bad or hard on yourself or make yourself feel bad or feel a negative feeling but do you think that this idea of body neutrality is helpful I mean for me it feels quite helpful in relation to sex and relationships because it helps us to release ourselves from the focus on our bodies and actually focus on what we're feeling and the experience but I guess I wondered what you think yeah I feel like it's about the way that you manage the days where you don't feel that good Mm -hmm. because I don't feel like you can just turn off the way that you look and feel about your body do you know what I mean so it's it's about just managing those days where you don't feel that great and and doing activities that will make you feel better we can't just turn down the bad bits we turn down the volume on everything if we turn them down we know when we talk about feelings it's not like we can just delete all the bad feelings but keep all the good ones if we kind of have what we can describe sometimes as like lack of effect it's a kind of muting or like a toning down or a dampening of everything I guess when you say it like that though I have days where I feel amazing about my body and myself and like where I'm at in my life and I wouldn't want to to swap that yeah just to not have the days where I don't feel not great Mm. yeah definitely so you think a part of accepting or working on your body confidence is managing both yeah is having both in a way 
Yeah, I feel like you can't have, it's like you can't have light without dark. You can't have good days without bad days. So it's it's just about how you manage them both. And it's like how you, um, like when you're having those bad days, how can you raise your vibration and your energy? Mm-hmm. Or is it about just being like, okay, today's not a great day or today's a bad day and tomorrow will be different? Yeah, you can journal and figure out why you're feeling the way that you're feeling because like people say like I feel fat but fat isn't a feeling there's there's something else under that so it's kind of like figuring out what's really going on with you and and where it comes from and understanding yourself in that in that way and have you noticed that in your own experiences you're noticing that you're identifying the feelings on the day that you're feeling great or the day that you're not feeling so good and that can then add a bit of context or I guess almost explain to yourself kind of where you're at that day yeah and I guess it's it's been really important for me as well to to really understand my like more negative emotions and where they come from and I feel like a lot of things link back to my childhood or like something someone once said to me and stuck with me for years and years and years and I've like not let it go I think a lot of those experiences stick with people though for me when it comes to sex particularly Mm. people can say to me oh well I think it started when I was 12 and I was in the playground at school and someone said this about sex and I've never forgotten it and I think that it's the same when it comes to our bodies and our appearances, because particularly when we're younger, we are starting to value ourselves and be valued by other people based on how we look or how we think we measure up. Mm. And we can really hold on to that stuff because we also don't have the adult emotional capacity to say, do you know what? I think that's more about them than it is about me. Or maybe they're just not having a great day. Or actually, I'm. they might not like what I look like but I like what I look like and actually that's the most important thing that matters yeah and I I guess the thing is as well is it it depends in what kind of environment you grow up in Mm -hmm. and and kind of what your parents teach you as well because because it's like we say that but then if you've got parents who are teaching you how to deal with your emotions and and you have a very very open relationship with them then it might not be the same case Definitely. Whereas when when I grew up, we didn't speak about mental health. We I couldn't cry. It was like, don't cry. You get up and get on with it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like how I learned to suppress all of my emotions, bottle everything up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really common experience for a lot of people because we also see that how we're taught to do those things, it kind of sets a template or a blueprint for how we manage it in our adult lives or as we grow up or in our adult relationships yeah and I feel like looking back if I'd have had a childhood where we expressed our emotions and we spoke about things that were happening and things like that I feel like it I would have been in a different place maybe because I feel like I would have started this process a lot sooner Mm. that I've kind of been through over the last two years do you know what I mean definitely and I was going to say do you think that your emotions also the way what's going on for you emotionally and psychologically also then changes where you're at with your body yeah definitely and I think the experiences that I had as a teenager with boys with 
my mum left when I was quite young and I didn't see her for years and years and years. So I think those those experiences and they they do have an impact on how you feel about yourself, which also has an impact on how you feel about your body. Mm. Um, and, and like eating disorders are a way of, it was a way that I could control something because I couldn't control what was going on around me. Mm. Something that you had shared with me before is then that that then cycles into sex and relationships because how you're treating yourself or how you feel about yourself and models to the, like the other people or the people you're in intimate relationships with or relationships with how to treat you and then how that happens then makes you think and feel about yourself in a certain way and it's this back and forth yeah and it can be a cycle as well it's kind of like when you when you have low self-worth low self-esteem you accept and attract partners who are emotionally unavailable slash abusive not very nice whatever and it's you that has to break that cycle and that's what I've particularly found with with sex and relationships with me is that I've always had an experience where the person has left me and gone with someone else so that like situation in particular obviously has an impact on how you feel because you feel rejected Mm. and that kind of goes back to then if a parent left when I was younger that that feeling is familiar because I'm used to feeling rejected so it's kind of like I'm the only person that can break that cycle mm-hmm. and then it's, it's kind of like how do you break that cycle but it's, it's about being aware and you know doing the inner work and all of that stuff. And what do you think is the biggest thing that you've learned from that? We're still working on it. <laughs> <laughs> We're still we working on it. <laughs> We're still working on it. Um, but yeah I definitely think that it does transfer into into sex in particular. I think when you have low self-worth and low self-esteem, you kind of don't want the attention to be on your body. Mm -hmm. I feel like many women will relate to that. What I hear a lot from people is this sense of being preoccupied with the experience that your partner is having so much that it doesn't really matter actually what your experience is like. It's more performative. So the focus is on performance and not pleasure. And because there isn't perhaps the most positive relationship with your body sex isn't something that is designed to or you mind about making your body feel good or making you feel good or not it's it, it's almost the vehicle to validation through pleasing a partner or having that experience with someone else definitely yeah validation through pleasing a partner it's it's also like anxiety inducing as well mm-hmm. if you're not happy with your body and then it's suddenly like in the spotlight. It's, I remember it making me feel very anxious before. Because someone else sees you or you are being seen or? Yeah, I guess it's like somebody else sees you and it's in a vulnerable situation. And if you've not had amazing experiences growing up with sex and relationships, it's, it just becomes like anxiety inducing, doesn't it? Definitely. And I think people who don't have the most comfortable accepting or positive relationship with their bodies or lack body confidence, as soon as they 
feel someone else kind of touching their body or exploring their body or looking at their body, that instead of increasing a sense of perhaps desire or arousal or feeling turned on or excited induces anxiety. Yeah. Because we're overanalyzing everything that's happening. We're overanalyzing where they touch, how they touch, what are they thinking, what do they think about that, how do they feel like that, does that feel okay? And that again, that comparison culture bit comes into it because a lot of people jump to is my body better or worse than their last partner? Or I wonder what they're thinking. And also the jump to assumptions. They put their hand there, but then they moved it. Why did they do that? Is it because they don't like that bit? And it it's always that much more self-critical voice than anything else. Yeah, for sure. And and I what I have found out is if you are open and have conversations with your partner, it's much easier mm. to be like, hey, I feel like this, what can we do? Yeah. It's it's funny, my relationship with sex, because I have always, I have not always, I have more recently in the last couple of years, like to be like tied up and use handcuffs and all stuff like that. Whereas before I never, I never really was interested. It was like I didn't have an interest in sex because I was just like, it just made me anxious. And it would be like the same like routine every single time and I feel like that is the thing that you that I know now that is not for me like I like to switch it up Mm -hmm. and be like let's try this or let's use this or you know what I mean yeah and I feel like it's it it just adds that bit more of like excitement but yeah it's just about being open isn't it with your partner Mm. so do you think you're learning to be less controlled with sex so the more you're building that positive relationship with yourself, the more you're kind of allowing yourself to be a bit free or express yourself a bit more sexually. Yeah, for sure. Because I know that there's definitely a lot of people I've spoken, not just to people I'm working with, but, you know, friends. And when we, we talk about these things, it's we all have those areas of discomfort, whether it's a certain position or someone touching us in a certain way or whether it's I know, some, you know having sex with the lights on or not or keeping an item of clothing on or wanting to have a shower before you know there's we all have stuff mm. when it comes to sex I mean nobody has nothing that they've ever not thought about or just completely let go of absolutely everything or at least if we're in the place where we don't have to think about anything now there is probably a point in our lives when we did still have something mm-hmm. and I think that It is interesting, the more we learn to kind of work with ourselves, we can feel comfortable and comfortable leads us to feeling more confident. But something that I've heard a lot and I see actually in a lot of kind of women's magazines and things is women feeling self-conscious about certain sexual positions. So being on top, for example, because they don't know how they perceive their partner is viewing them. Yeah, for sure. I like I have definitely had that where I where I didn't really like to go on top because the angle is as you say not as I hate that word flattering but mm. I can't think of another word to use in this yeah. instance. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like a lot of women feel like that and it's again it's it's like having that spotlight being on top, isn't it? Mm. Whereas actually often when you talk to people both men and women most people are turned on by seeing that their partner is turned on or seeing that their partner is having a good time. And yeah, they've already seen their partner's body at the point at which they're kind of having these sexual experiences together. So there is something about 
us learning to accept ourselves perhaps more in those situations. But as you say, if the background is always criticism laden or in a way we've internalised that idea of self-criticism, we've taken on other people's feedback and kind of set it up as our way of managing ourselves or understanding ourselves, we feel more vulnerable or that becomes our default position is how do I make this work or how do I make this look right or how do I avoid that and when we are so preoccupied with how we look we can't be occupied with the experiences we're feeling and for me a huge part of mindful sex for example is helping people to get out of their heads and into their bodies because this distraction which comes in the shape of our thoughts most commonly can completely inhibit someone having a sexual enjoyable experience can stop people from orgasming from experiencing pleasure can create anxiety enough to prevent people from being able to have sex and I think this is where the body confidence conversation becomes a really important part of this because I think a lot of people assume that people come to see a psychosexual therapist or a therapist like me because there must be something really acutely physically wrong or there must be a dysfunction but actually so much of it for me is in that sexual relationship with self and we can't take our bodies out of that yeah I I get what you're saying I think I think the thing is as well is I didn't realize how important it was to explore myself by myself Mm. rather than just kind of having that experience with a partner I feel like it's really important to 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 not not just to find out what you like and how you like it but to sit with your body and you know put on some lingerie and literally get uncomfortable so that you can get comfortable with your body because it's like if you're really really uncomfortable with your body the last thing you want to do is sit in some lingerie but the more that you do it the easier it gets and the more confident you become in just being in your own body. So yeah, it's a practice that I I do regularly. Do you think that it helps you just to feel more comfortable and familiar or do you think that it's also a practice because then you're like, okay, well, if I can do this now, my body just doesn't change the minute that there's someone else there. Exactly. My perspective changes, but my body hasn't changed and I can see my body for how it is and what it does and how it feels and actually what what happens the minute that I bring someone else into that equation is my my perception of that changes my headspace changes yeah because somebody else is present Mm -hmm. I guess it just comes with with like actively practicing being in the moment and catching yourself when you're starting to think or like Oh, about this or what about this or like starting to get like worried or anxious about it you just need to practice bringing it back to the present and and just being with your body <laughs> do you think that's really helped you for sure definitely I feel like it's been really important for me to connect with that sexual energy because I feel like it, especially with a lot of women they when they try and be sexy they can feel silly or they think that being sexy is based on how they look when actually it's kind of an energy that you embody and you tap into that. And it's about like learning how to do that. And it's fun. Because mm. then I feel like the more confident you are within yourself and your body, 
that goes out into other areas of your life as well. Yeah, I completely agree. And you can like all in all raise the your whole vibe. Does that make sense? Definitely. And we all know that there are things that make us feel better about ourselves and things that make us feel worse about ourselves. But as you said, you can perhaps if you build that more solid sense of self or solid relationship with self, then the external stuff doesn't build us up or knock us down as hard as when that relationship with self is a bit more fragile or doesn't feel as strong. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I can feel I'm a lot more less insecure now than I have ever been. Mm. Ever. But, and I feel like that's because I've worked and I've taken the time to work on myself and my body confidence and kind of go back to releasing trauma through different types of therapy. And when you say different types of therapy, I know you have said to me you've tried like a whole host of different things. Like what, what, do, you, what do you think has been the most helpful or what do you think, is there like a common theme between them all or...? I feel like CBT has been good for getting me used to talking. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of what I had in the beginning. And then I feel like EMDR and hypnotherapy have been good for bringing up traumatic experiences and bringing them to the surface so that they can be released. And... I feel like that's been the most helpful and I do a daily like hypnosis now and then I've kind of explored you know like the spiritual side of things as well I've done crystal healing which I love and yeah I just feel like I have really been open to anything and and everything that might be able to help me on this journey with healing my eating disorder and everything that comes with that um and I feel like that's important if you're if you're going on this kind of journey is to be open to everything. Well, whatever helps, helps for a reason. I think we can put faith in anything. And if we're feeling that it benefits us or heals us or nurtures us, then why should that be a bad thing? Yeah, for sure. And we all resonate with different things, right? So like what, what will work for one person might not work for the other. And yeah, I've just found like a really nice, very helpful routine that I have in place at the moment, which is, you know, meditation and yoga and crystal healing and hypnotherapy and EMDR if anything needs releasing. And yeah, that's 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 the routine that's been the most helpful for me. Mm. Do you think there's a central theme to all of it? As in, do you think, I mean, I guess I probably would say the kind of central theme for therapy is one kind of relationship with self but two change and I wondered if there's like a thread that you feel connects all the things that you've tried or not or if you feel like they've all offered you something a little bit different or worked on like a different part of yourself I feel like they all interlink with each other like I feel like yoga interlinks with meditation interlinks with like calming anxiety and it links with the spiritual side of 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 things in a sense of like your energetic body and your chakras, it all like interlinks together. And it's something that I'm just find that I'm really interested in at the same time. Mm. And yeah, and like, and, and journaling and has been really, really helpful. I, I basically journal every day before I go to bed. 
And I just find, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm journaling at like 4am because I've got so much that I need to get out my brain. Mm. Um, and I just find that is, it, it's crazy because they're quite simple things, but they're actually really helpful and they've made a massive difference in my life. Do you think though then the assumption from lots of people is that instead of being simple, those things need to be really complicated. And that might be also what puts people off from trying them. Because they're so simple, do you mean? Because they are simple. As you're saying, you know, they're simpler than you kind of thought. But if you think it's going to be really complicated or think it's going to be a lot of work or think it's going to be really hard, you'd probably avoid doing it for longer or avoid trying things. Oh, yeah, I think I think it's it's kind of like with meditation, like... It's actually the concept of it is is quite simple. You mm. sit and you watch your thoughts and you bring it back to the breath. Like it's not that difficult when you explain it, but when you do it, it is. Mm. But the whole point of meditation is to allow your thoughts to come in, right? And observe and be the observer and figure out, you know, what thoughts are coming in and then bringing it back to the present. It's not to kind of sit there and be like, I'm not allowed to think anything and then getting really frustrated with yourself, which is which is what I think most people think that meditation is supposed to be like, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. And it's also about building a practice, isn't it? It's not just a one-off thing that you do. Yeah, it's like anything. It's like it's like anything new that you do, you know? Mm. Um, but I think it's it's kind of good to have like an SOS routine in place for whenever you're feeling anxious but that's also sounds like you knowing yourself because if you know that you're anxious or something's making you anxious then you will respond to what's happening around you with anxiety and that may for some people show up as self-criticism or for others as avoidance or for others as you know high level anxiety or for others as almost collapse that kind of exhaustion and just wanting to climb into bed and sleep it off and we can see that all of this stuff happens in so many different ways and we also see that in terms of body confidence that people can overdo something which is healthy so we will talk to exercise but people can over exercise in order to compensate for feeling perhaps or because it makes their body feel so much that their head doesn't feel like it has the space because it's preoccupied by what's happening in the body and we also see that people can learn to love their bodies through things like dance. And so in learning how to move and create shapes with your body or explore something like burlesque where you feel a certain way or go to dance classes can be really healing in that way because we can feel and see all the things that our body can do that make us feel good. Yeah, I think we hold a lot in our bodies as well that needs releasing. So that's that's one of the reasons why I love yoga so much. Because mm. I can, I, I know that I'm building strength. And when I practice new poses, I'm like, ah, I can finally do that now. And I'm really proud, you mm. know? So, um, so it's celebrating the things your body can do. Yeah, yeah. And just bringing it back to like sex and relationships, something that I was thinking about a minute ago um, was like being aware of, your attachment style has been extremely helpful for me mm. because I feel like I was very anxious 
So I'd attract avoidance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'd be like, why are you running away from me? <laughs> and so you got stuck in that pattern all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we see that a lot. And I love the book Attached by Amel Levine. And I've recommended it to so many people to read. I think it's so interesting and it has the quizzes, but it just breaks it all down into really manageable, easy to understand and really illuminating examples where we can all see that we all do these things in our lives all the time. And I think so much psychological talk can feel so overcomplicated and isolating. Whereas actually, if we look at something like attachment styles, which is quite a simple principle, we can go, oh yeah, I noticed that I have some of those traits, or I noticed that I feel that way, or I noticed that I keep feeling like I'm picking the same partner over and over again. Yeah, And that would make sense if I'm a certain style and the person I'm attracted to is the opposing style. And it feels like even though I'm dating someone from a completely different country or a different culture or a different age bracket, or that I feel like this pattern is just coming back again and again and again. And I'm just back where I felt like I was two years ago. Yeah. I think the thing is as well, is like having an anxious attachment style. It makes sense in, in my situation to what, to attract avoidance because of the rejection that I had as a child. But again, it's about, you know, breaking that and, and like healing and, you know, going into a more, more secure attachment mm. style. <laughs> Seeming it's kind of like, like your unconscious taking control because you're like, okay, well, if I know how it's going to go, then it's not a surprise Yeah. when it happens. Or And we talk about in couples relationship therapy, like this idea of like unconscious couple fit and how... It's just amazing how we see patterns come up in relationships all the time. And I think something that you and I were talking about before we had this conversation was how that relationship with self can then show up as a pattern in relationship with others. The relationship with others then feeds back to the relationship with self and we think, okay, well, I'm not worth loving or I'm not good enough or... I don't deserve to be treated well. And then we feel like that, we get the confirmation from that other person, even though that's not just about us because we're always talking about relation, the in-between, the in-relation, but it confirms what we think about ourselves. And then that's the route that we continue down until perhaps we meet someone who corrects us or we grow ourselves and realise that we deserve more. I think the thing is as well is sometimes, especially more recently, what... I have been doing is kind of using people as a mirror and being like, so if I feel like this person is running away from me, where can I see myself running away from myself? Like, what am I not addressing? Because if this person is mirroring me, then maybe there is something that I'm not addressing. So that's where I kind of like journal and try to figure out if there's something that I'm also running from. Mm. I think that's really, I love um, that idea of seeing ourselves reflected in someone else or in someone else's behaviour because we know that every relationship is about the the bit in between. And I think that's where, you know, body confidence does come into it. And actually something I also want to say in terms of this conversation is body confidence. We've talked a lot about it for women, but for men is a huge thing. And I think I work with a huge amount of young men who have performance anxiety because of 
a lot of the time, the versions of men or masculinity or what is expected of them sexually that they see online, largely from resources or resources like pornography. And the average guy feels like he can't keep up with what's expected of him. And so then he takes on that anxiety, which is that's what my partner, male or female, will be expecting. I am not that, therefore I'm failing. So they're going into a sexual situation anxious, already kind of setting themselves up for that. And we see that performance anxiety is a massive cause of erectile dysfunction in particularly younger men. Because really? there's this sense of what are they going to think of me or I'm not going to be able to form, perform or what is my partner going to expect of me and if I don't perform, I'm not going to be a real man. Obviously, that is hugely, um, you know, in inverted commas, but we have all these really strong messages about what we expect men and women to do when it comes to sex. And I think that although we're not talking about like the whole body, we do also see that men and women have body confidence issues with their genitals, which can be so damaging. Yes, I think I've seen more cases of that in men like from like my guy friends and stuff growing up you know they all like compare their sizes and stuff mm. and there's this whole there's this whole thing where if it's not x amount of inches then she's not gonna like it mm. it's like comparison culture but in a strange way because a lot of the time what we're comparing ourselves to are unrealistic representations of bodies like on porn yeah or you know just on the internet, you know, we don't we don't see a lot of visual representations of sex mm. that aren't designed to be arousing and performative, which is what porn is designed to be. It's not designed to be an educational tool. It's not designed to, mm. you know, we're, we're seeing this whole rise of different types of pornography. But I think that where we see so many different body types and acceptance and this whole wave of feminist pornography and mm. but it's taken till now really for that to start happening and do you think like the education in schools needs to be better i mean because when i was growing up we did not learn anything i had to basically figure it out for myself mm. me and my dad like because obviously my mum left, my dad kind of brought me up. So so the conversation about sex to have with me was, I know that he found very awkward. So I just never really had the chat. Um, so I, I, I just had to kind of figure it all out for myself. And how confusing is that? <laughs> it's so confusing. I didn't even know women orgasmed when I was a teenager. And then it happened and I was like, oh, okay. What's that been? <laughs> sure i mean hang on wait a minute how did that happen <laughs> yeah i mean how do you think that kind of stuff ties into body confidence because that's a big part of it isn't it well, yeah for sure like if you don't know how to bring pleasure to yourself then it's not helpful is it mm. in that process of you know building your confidence body confidence i think massively and i think i talk to a lot of people about how building that body confidence when it comes to sex is about building that relationship with self. It's not just about self-pleasure, but it's about exploring their bodies kind of head to toe. But if we don't understand how our body works, then how can we feel comfortable in a sexual situation with another person, with them exploring our bodies, yeah. trying to give us pleasure if we don't know what gives us pleasure? Yeah, because obviously it's a lot easier to be like, hey, I like it like this. 
or to be able to move someone's hand or give them some guidance or but also for us to be able to relax (laughs) so that we're not lying there thinking yeah that doesn't feel good but I don't really know what to say or I don't know what does feel good or does that feel right is that how it should be yeah I don't you know all of that stuff that's going through our heads yeah you know even as I'm saying that I've got this image of someone kind of lying on a bed looking at the ceiling not engaged with the sexual experience that they're having and that's that's kind of out of body we call it spectatoring in psychosexual therapy a lot there's kind of splitting of our bodies and our heads we kind of take ourselves out and then it's almost like looking in on ourselves do you think that that's something that happens with people struggling with body confidence a lot because I would say yes yeah I didn't know there was there was like a a word for it but yeah that's exactly (laughs) what happens well, that's your experience is you feel like you've kind of take you take yourself out. Yeah, and and when you're not in the best headspace, you're just kind of like, Can it, mm-hmm. can it just end? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you done yet? You know? And I feel like lots of women will would relate to that as well, but that's not what the experience is mm. meant to be. Do you think it's about trusting your body in that instance as well? Yeah. I guess so. I guess I've got this kind of this idea it's a bit like a kind of weird um slightly disorganized like mind map of how body confidence ties into all this stuff because I think that Mm. even though it doesn't directly say impact body confidence and wouldn't probably come up on a podcast episode about body confidence that wasn't related to sex and relationships is because we don't have these conversations around sex we don't have these conversations around the normality of how bodies work or the normality of sexual experiences or the good, bad, average days. Mm. We just expect amazing, mind-blowing, orgasming, sensational sex every time. And so that even further sets us up to fail. And if we feel set up to fail because there isn't this understanding that, you know, there's good days, bad days, average days... Mm. then that can further impact body confidence because we go into a sexual situation not feeling good about our bodies because we don't know where we're at that day rather than just being like, you know what, I am knackered. It's been a really intense week at work. I'm a bit distracted. And I'm just having one of those weeks where I don't feel good about myself. And instead of us just normalising all of that, we then step into the arena, so to speak, or step into the sexual situation Mm feeling kind of off about that or not being able to say to our partner, do you know what, do you mind if we just like turn the lights down low or I keep my t-shirt on or what can we do to make so I can feel more comfortable in order that I can relax a bit and then we can enjoy ourselves and that might, that sexual situation doesn't have to look a certain way. I feel like it's so bizarre that we don't talk about sex as much as a normal subject like you would talk about anything else because we're all doing it we all have these experiences so it's like I guess I guess it's also like kind of a a generational thing as well like there's a lot of shame isn't there surrounding sex and sexual experiences and stuff like that but I think definitely now we we should be talking about it more and we should be able to be comfortable with our partners and be like hey I don't feel like this today like can we can we do this or and it's not all it's not all about orgasm either it's about the experience of having sex it's not always like this end goal it's about spending intimate time with your partner and trying things together and experiencing pleasure it's not always about 
yeah, it's not always about I've got an orgasm. Mm. That also then feeds back into body confidence, doesn't it? Because say if we expect that it always has to end in orgasm and then we don't have an orgasm, yeah. we feel disappointed by our body. And then we're like, is there something wrong with me? Because I didn't, I can't orgasm or mm-hmm. it takes so long or whatever. Because I feel like there's this, this timings on things as well. Yeah. Isn't there? Where it's like men try and last for as, as long as possible. <laughs> Definitely. And I think that that's, that's where I see this huge overlap between sexual kind of well-being or sexual self-confidence and body confidence, but also what you called it earlier, shame. Mm. Body shame and sexual shame. Mm. And I see such a massive overlap between those things and from everything from people struggling with earlier sexual experiences to difficulties with their periods to health conditions to having had an STI to how their body looks to weight to um, how they were taught how to use their body. So, for example, if they came from a background where they were taught like very strong religious messages about how their body should be used or how their body should be experienced. And I think it's this really complex relationship with self and then we put it into a sexual relationship space and it's a bit like it's in a pressure cooker. Yeah, it's just like so much more pressure. Mm. When actually it's kind of like if you do work on your self-confidence and your body confidence and go into a kind of like healing journey you can kind of strip everything back and be like you know it's not that deep Mm. it's just an experience between two people and whether you love that person or you don't you're there to spend intimate time together and that's what it is yeah do you think your relationship with sex has changed as your relationship with your body's changed yeah definitely definitely like I was I said earlier but um I would always like not want to go on top or like kind of would be just used to doing the same routine and now I'm a lot more like experimental and I can speak up now as well whereas before I'd just kind of get on with it if the person did something that I didn't really like i wouldn't say anything whereas now I can be like uh, I don't really like that or I don't want to try that or whatever and feel more comfortable speaking up about it do you think as well now you feel and I know you have said to me you're like I'm still working on the body confidence bit you know it's I'm a continuous like work in progress but do you think as you've grown with body confidence you are able to let your body and let yourself feel more yeah. in sexual experiences rather than not trying not to feel but it feeling more challenging to kind of feel what's happening because then you're feeling in a body that you don't have this positive relationship with whereas as you've worked on yourself and your relationship with your body you're allowing yourself to have more sensation or more feeling because in a way that's a celebration of what your body can do yeah definitely and like I have found like especially when my, when I'm on my own, like, I like to, like, close my eyes so then I can really feel. I feel like if you shut off one of the senses and the others get more, like, yeah. um, prominent. So I feel like when I close my eyes, I can feel more. 
Um, and I can kind of have that experience of myself now. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like body confidence is an ongoing journey for women because we go through all different stages. Like we, we have babies, we go into the menopause, like, you know, we have periods where we're like bloated for like two weeks or whatever. So I feel like the, the journey is ongoing. I don't think it's a, a, a destination that you get to. And then you're like, finally, I'm, I love myself every single day. I think it's a, it's a journey. Mm. And I think something you said there just really, um, like something just kind of clicked for me, which is we have to perhaps learn to adapt with that relationship with our bodies. Because as you said, every month we're going through a cycle. But for example, lots of girls really struggle with their bodies when they start going through puberty because their body is changing and that's out of their control. Yeah, I guess it's, it's if it was spoken about more, and there was more education around it all, then perhaps younger girls would feel not as out of control. Mm. Um, but I guess is that 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 sense of like practicing to just let go and just be like, this is happening and this is where we're at. But it's hard. It's hard when they're teenagers, you know, yeah. and they've got all these hormones flying around. <laughs> that they're not used to and they're like what's this is that the one thing I was going to ask you this but it's tied in perfectly to what you're just saying is if there was one thing that you wish we talked to younger people about and based on the kind of experiences you've had what would that be you think it's teaching acceptance of different bodies from a younger age or saying to people things might change and it's okay definitely yeah I think just the knowledge of how your body changes mm. throughout life and kind of just having like encouragement that it's like it's normal and that we're all different and we're not supposed to all be carbon copies of each other we're supposed to all be different but also we can be different in ourselves so we can change the versions of ourselves over time or like different stages and I think it's interesting isn't it just how if someone changes the colour of their hair or changes their style or is more tanned or does like their eyebrows or gets a new piercing or whatever, we tend to really celebrate that, but we don't have the same thing when it comes to yeah. weight or bodies. Yeah, I think it's crazy when you think about it. The, the, there's, there's a lot of like fat phobia, isn't there? And I just... It's just such a society issue. It's hard to, like, pinpoint when mm. it even started, you know? It's such a huge issue, and it, it all interlinks with all different things. It's just it's really complex, isn't it? It's really complex. I love the Instagram account um, from Alex Light, who shows all the different body messages, and she does an amazing job of highlighting so many of the completely polarized views that we get given all the time so different magazine yeah. covers and the language that's used and how 10 years ago a different body type was celebrated to today and how one person can be shamed for looking exactly the same as another person but it's been picked up by the media that one person is acceptable and the other person isn't and I think it's all these contradictory messages that no wonder they create this culture of discomfort 
with our bodies or like we should always be changing them or we should always be working on them or we should always be better rather than just saying we're all unique different good as we are and if we want to do something that makes us feel better about ourselves that's for us to decide to do yeah and I, I guess the thing is as well is I, I know Alex and um she shared something recently that was a video of um Victoria Beckham have you seen it and they made they they weighed her on TV after she'd had a baby, and it was like, how is that even allowed? Yeah, how is that even allowed? You know, so it's kind of like no wonder we have all these issues with with weight when it's it, it's just it's it's so pointed out mm. for women, isn't it? Yeah, and I remember someone saying to me, so even it's really in our earlier messages, so. When we talk to like little girls and little boys, we often say to little girls, oh, you look so pretty, and to boys, oh, that's so clever. Or isn't that amazing that you did that? Without anyone ever consciously deciding that that's going to be a thing, it's not like no one ever said it, but it's that this valuing based on appearance is something that can happen really, really early. Yeah, and I guess if you're a parent, it's, it's kind of like at this at this point now, it's like your responsibility to be saying different mm. affirmations to your kids yeah and I think you know this whole idea is that we do internalize a lot of things and you know I suppose I shared with you I think body neutrality is probably what we would have called it was something that probably I grew up with I way less than average height I mean literally there are 11 year olds that are taller than me (laughs) And, and but I was just taught that my body I should be grateful for the body that I have and it works and it's healthy and that I can't reach things on the top shelf in the supermarket, but it does everything else that I need it to do, and it's okay. okay. (laughs) And I don't ever remember there being scales in our house. And I was talking to someone recently, and they were saying to me how they still weigh themselves every day because it was a habit that was taught. Mm. And as a result, they kind of micromanage that, or it becomes a, a way of measuring themselves. And I think that... All of these things can be... It depends on how we take them on. And obviously, like, there's certain, like, personality factors and things. But it's also what we take them to mean or how we understand them at the time. The culture and the society that we already have around it is already skewed and set up in a certain way without us necessarily realising it. It's already skewed. Yeah, for sure. And and I grew up with scales in the house. And I remember weighing myself all the time when I was a teenager. So, yeah, obviously I don't have them now. They belong in the bin. That's where they belong. (laughs) They belong in the bin. (laughs) I guess to finish this off then, isn't, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? That relationship with self, I think we learn to value ourselves by so much more than just how our body looks I think that is that what body confidence is all about I think yeah like we're so much more than how we look Mm. so much more your weight is the most least most interesting thing about you and is that what you're trying to achieve with love glow heal that you're trying to help people to realize that in some way or correct some of the messaging in some way I mean I guess for me like the point of this episode is that we are in one way putting a different narrative in which is thinking about bodies differently or thinking about that relationship with our bodies differently yeah and I look I've just launched love glow heal because I feel like 
there are a lot of maybe things that we don't talk about with body acceptance and and kind of how you actually get to a place where you feel acceptance with your body like it's it's all right like kind of talking about it but it's like how do you actually get there and that's one of the reasons why I launched Love Glow Heal and um and the seven day like kind of introduction to body confidence has got my best practices that I've kind of learned over the last few years on this journey and and it's got a few hypnotherapy sessions in there as well so yeah it's kind it's kind of about how you get there's a gap between who you are and who you want to be and it's about how you get from you it's it's about you stepping into who you know that you really are does that make sense and yeah no I think it does because for me I think so much of the distress that we feel so much of the discomfort that we feel is in the gap between who we think we are and who we think we should be but so often this who we think we should be is not actually who we want to be but who we're told that we should want to be Mm. and I think body confidence massively massively sits in that I think sexual self-confidence massively sits in that but it's yeah it is that idea that as we are isn't good enough and I just think that that's something that is so unhealthy and actually what we should be celebrating is everyone being different and being the way they are and moving towards that culture of acceptance and then hopefully celebration. I think we are getting there, but yeah, it's constantly, we constantly feel like we're being kind of pushed back against by various things. And actually if we can help everyone to even just recognise that maybe that's happening, Mm -hmm. that that's a part of this. Yeah, I feel like it's, it's that, it's being aware because before I I was so unaware of my patterns, my behaviours, I didn't understand anything. I just had no kind of emotional intelligence at, at all. And that, that wasn't my fault. But I kind of, I, I feel like as an adult, it's kind of your responsibility to make sure that you're not passing on these unhealthy mm. patterns to your children. Yeah, in a way... We're all trying to, yeah, we've got to all think about what we're trying to pass on, haven't we, and modelling in some way. But yeah, for me, helping us all to have this healthier relationship with self is what it's all about, but it's something that's not taught. And so that's really hard for us to all work it out as we go yeah. and get it right all the time. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Sexual Wellness Sessions. If you'd like to join us for more conversations, you can click subscribe on either Apple or Spotify podcasts. And if you have a moment, please leave us a review.